0: Welcome to another episode of the Community Board Podcast with your host Miguel Valdez and I, I want to invite you to please follow us on Twitter, find us on the Community Board, also find our page on Facebook on their Community Board, and you can listen to us on SoundCloud and also on iTunes on their Community Board Podcast. Today I have my friend Paul Klaus uh, And we're going to be talking about a hobby that he started last year. And we're going to see perspective from a year, going back a year, starting a hobby on bees and getting honey. And I have a beautiful present, a yard of uh, pure raw honey. Paul, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, Very good. Thank you, Miguel.
0: Tell me, how do you get into this hobby on working on bees? How do you call those um, boxes? Beehives. Beehives. How do you get into the bee? Is that called farming or what is that considered? Uh,
1: Apiary. Uh, A-P means bee, so uh, apiary, A-P-I-A-R-Y is the name of the uh, place where you keep the bees, so you have an apiary. Um, So your question again was? How do you get into it? How did I get into it? Well, um I uh, got a colleague, a uh, retired colleague who uh, initially got me into making maple syrup. He um, was had done it for many years and then he uh, gave me his equipment and, and um, showed me how to do it: uh, The maple first maple syrup. Oh yeah, yeah I remember
0: once I visited your house, you were showing me how do you how do you call it, milk in the tree or where's what t- is the is t- that word tapping tapping so
1: tree. you put those little um they typically are metal, but they have plastic uh, little spigots that you uh, drill a hole and put in the okay. tree. Um,
0: I remember r- you mentioned to me that it takes 50 gallons to make one gallon final product. Is that correct?
1: Right. And that ties into the bees because you have to haul that 50 gallons of sap back to your stove and boil it Mm -hmm. whereas the bees they just live in their little boxes and they go out and collect the nectar for you and and all summer long they're just bringing the honey back to your house so um, it's it's like having a workforce tens of thousands of little workers uh, creating this stuff for you.
0: Yeah and I also remember uh, last year when I visited you you just got your queen how how uh, if you can share with us if um, just about so everybody gets that perspective. How does it start it and where do you order from?
1: Um, <clears throat> there's a number of um, uh, supply stores n- not you know, uh, on every corner but um, in, in Minnesota, Wisconsin so there's uh, places you can drive to or even order online from them for both the boxes and for the bees. They actually deliver the bees. Was
0: yours from California or this one was from around the area?
1: Most of the bees that you buy to start actually do come from California, so um, they use them out there for the um, uh, for the um, uh, almonds and, and um, the various produce and, and the likes. And so they have an abundance of uh, cultivated bees, and then they sell um, their excess bees in what they call packages. So you buy two pounds of bees in a screen box that uh, you go pick up, and then you shake them into your own box, and they grow.
0: And did they... When they deliver those to you, are they come f- frozen or are they come alive, or oh, how, how do they get here?
1: Very alive, uh, hopefully. <laughs> they, <laughs> and um, they give you the
0: queen in a different little box, or how's that?
1: Ex- precisely. Uh, yeah. So the box is uh, about this, maybe a little bit bigger than a shoe box, and it's uh, part wood, part screen. Mm-hmm. And there's they measure bees um, uh, by pounds, and so it's anywhere from two to three pounds of worker bees. And then a queen who has been introduced to those workers is in a little separate cage. And what you do when you get the package that box is you um, uh, put the workers into your own box.
0: So you're um, in your hive?
1: In your hive box. OK. Yeah. And then the queen is slowly released. There's a little sugar plug. Uh, in fact, what they use is those little sugar, um, like a marshmallow, or like uh, for Easter, those peeps. Mhm. So the hole is plugged and over the course of maybe three or four days, the worker bees eat that plug and release the queen. And the reason you do that slowly is because the queen has uh, hormones that she emits and the workers need to get uh, accustomed to her. Mm. Otherwise they'll, they'll think of her as being foreign and when she comes out they'll kill her. Okay. So you, you have that kind of time of adjustment. If everything goes like a week,
0: week and a half, or something like that.
1: Yeah, about a week, and so uh, this has been done for hundreds of years, and so you're usually successful. You know, these the way you you're told to do it works just fine, ninety percent of the time, ninety nine percent of the time, and so then when that queen is released, she immediately starts laying eggs, and then it takes about twenty one days for the eggs. To go through the various stages, they develop little worm. Is that
0: through the whole year, or they kind of go dormant during the winter time here in in the Midwest, in Minnesota?
1: They get ready. What they have to do is um, when they get active in February or March, uh, that's not when you start your hives, but your hives that have survived through the winter, the queen starts. Do you keep
0: it just outside? Mm-hmm. Same same place.
1: Oh yeah, you don't bring them into your bedroom or anything. Like that. <laughs> or basement. <laughs> no. Um. So the your question about the, the colony, the, mm-hmm. the group of bees, uh, the queen will start laying eggs in February or March, so that by April May, when when the um, dandelions bloom, okay, they're all the colony is is at a fairly large number. So, they can start collecting nectar and start uh, producing honey as early as uh, uh, May, June. And so, then uh, the queen will lay tens of thousands of eggs over the course of the summer, and the colony will go from a couple thousand to 50 or 60,000 bees. Uh, what is the
0: lifespan of a, a worker one? Six weeks. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, the queen is constantly replenishing that supply of workers. And then at the end of the summer, uh, uh, they don't—they can't support that many workers through. What the work. does the
0: bees do? So they bring the honey or pollen. What do they bring? Nectar. Nectar, and that turns into honey.
1: Yes, they—they um, they digest it, uh, and there's a process. And to be honest, I don't fully understand mm-hmm. what goes on, but. Part of it is in their digestive tract, and then they regurgitate it into the honeycomb, the, the wax cells. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty fluid at that time. It's got a fair amount of water yet in it. And, then and do they, they
0: feed from there again, or is just kind of like a maintenance building their own house?
1: Um, well, the honey itself is food for their, for to, throughout the summer and mainly the winter, so that they're storing it. Domestic bees produce more honey than they need. So you can, you can take some of it away mm-hmm. from them, and, but you have to leave enough of them to so for, the they, winter. for the winter. But what happens at the end of the summer when they know they're going into the winter, when the weather starts getting chilly, mm-hmm. um, they start to either uh, stop, the queen slows down producing eggs, stops producing eggs for a while, and then the older bees either die or the colony actually kills off uh, of bees. It, in fact, it kills all of the male bees because they don't produce honey. They don't do anything but, mm-hmm. but produce um, uh, sperm.
0: What is the name of those? They you just call them male?
1: Uh, drones. Drones. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there is a saying in in Mexico they call those, you know, if you're just a bump around <laughs> your house, if you're a man, they call you a, a dr- drone. Yeah, yeah. Or sangano. Yeah.
1: yeah. But all the uh, the um, care of the of the eggs, all the care of the queen, all of that's done by the females. So, uh, whenever you buy honey or eat honey, it's all women's work.
0: And uh, another question is, um, per hive, do you need to have one queen per hive? Yep. Or or is just one for the whole?
1: No, one queen per hive, per colony or box. So you need
0: to buy individually queens or or you find one and then you just transfer it to a new one um, in your case what was your experience being this your first complete year
1: you buy a package so if you're going to have one hive you'd buy a package that has one queen and and, okay. and that shoebox full of workers what um most people recommend to get started is you try to start two colonies Okay. so you'd buy two queens and two Groups of workers, because you may not be successful, and and mm-hmm. if you um, and nothing that you might do, it just might be the weather. It might just be that the queen wasn't uh, well. So if you lose her and you're all set, and you and you're all set to become a beekeeper, and you lose your colony, that's pretty depressing.
0: <laughs> yeah. And um, in your case, what was your scenario? Do you start with? Three, two. How many do you start with?
1: I started with. <clears throat> um, I took a two-day course um, up at the University of Minnesota. It was actually one day for the first year. Okay. And um, they they tell you the basics, and they recommend that you try to start two colonies. That way,
0: you have a backup.
1: You have a backup, and then also, uh, it's a natural experiment because you get to um, see what what works with one and what doesn't work with another. And the two colonies kind of evolve uh, because it's a, it's a whole little society. And so one queen might be stronger than the other and, and produce more eggs and that. And so a lot of be- what beekeeping is is just uh, keeping a close eye on what's going on and just learning. It's, it's um, very much like gardening.
0: OK. And in your case, um, you live kind of outside of Rochester. So you have uh, kind of like a forest area. Close by in a creek, also by going by your house. Does this work also in an urban setting?
1: Oh, absolutely. People put them <clears throat> not just in backyards, but they put them up. Uh, people that live in apartments keep them up on rooftops and, and, and the likes. You you want to be able to get to them, and so if you're each of these um, boxes that produce that stack that people recognize as a bee beehive, mm-hmm. each one of those boxes when they're full of Honey, at least, are um, anywhere from 30 to 50 pounds. And so, and your hive, the stack of boxes might have five or six of those. So it gets to be a pretty significant weight. It's like having a big chest freezer full of. So,
0: how often do you harvest in your case?
1: Well, um, I didn't expect to get honey my first year or enough honey to get the bees through the winter. Uh, they made it through the winter just fine, and so without
0: you harvest any,
1: Well,
0: you did. Th- I
1: I let them have access to all of the honey they made the first year. Okay, and come spring, they hadn't consumed. Um, and
0: you had like a plexiglass that you can see. You, well,
1: part of beekeeping is about every one or two weeks, you open you up the and hive check. and you check it, and you're looking for uh uh sickness you're you're um looking for problems where the bees aren't producing the comb accurately and you kinda scrape things away and stuff. But pretty simple stuff. But each about one or two uh weeks you're you're opening up and looking in there. So come spring the um I had uh four boxes of honey which amounted to hundred and twenty pounds of honey. And that's wow. why I can bring you some yeah. here today.
0: <laughs> and uh have you seen any... What can you share about, um, about the environment? You know, how important is the bees? Because now, with all the controversies about climate change, how how important are they oh, to well, the environment?
1: Oh, um, climate change, I think, is a separate issue because the bees are threatened by climate change and as uh, uh, um, uh, crops and, and the likes change... Uh, pollinators uh... and bees are one of the major pollinators uh... are essential and i can't remember the statistics but it's uh, somewhere in the range of like fifty or sixty percent of our food are uh... is is reliant on pollinators so if there's these issues of bees uh... surviving pesticides and and climate change and the we uh, were okay right now but uh... The bee populations have declined significantly just in the last 10 years, and um, uh, some of it, ha- a lot of it, has to do with um, uh, illnesses that have been brought into the bee colonies. Some of which might be related to colony, to um, climate change, and then 95 percent, I think, is the statistic of um, corn and and um, soybean seeds are coated with pesticides, mm-hmm. which are extremely toxic to the bees. And what a lot of people don't understand is that when you go out to the big box stores, uh, uh, I won't, I don't know if you Mm. want to name names. No, no,
0: like a supermarket, yeah.
1: Yeah, and you buy um, uh, flowers, uh, uh, annuals and perennials to um, put in your yard, and you want to do the right thing. You want to Mm -hmm. put flowers out there to, to, um, just like you feed birds, you feed bees with flowers. And you read the labels, and it says bee-friendly. What they don't tell you is a lot of these stores, in in, in order to um, make their products uh, spend light, yeah. Yeah, to to look good and and be healthy, they treat them with pesticides. Okay. So the very flowers that you're putting in your garden might be toxic to the bees that you want to support. So you want to ask the question when you go into a nursery or a store is ask them if um, their products are free of pesticides. Okay. it's a little bit of. Well, it's not just little it's, it's um, not truth in advertising when they label them as bee friendly but then treat them with pesticides
0: yeah I also remember last summer or at the end of the summer I went to the state fair and um, they were giving packages uh, they were calling it uh, butterfly garden or flea garden flowers to uh-huh. throw in your you know just wild flowers
1: and those would be safe because the seeds wouldn't be treated with pesticides mm-hmm. the problem with when you buy a potted plant is that uh if it's been treated with pesticide, it's not just on the surface of the plant, it's in the plant. The it, it it's uh the plant absorbs the pesticide and it stays there for months.
0: Okay. Have you seen any benefits from um being stung by the bees? <laughs> Kinda like I, acupuncture.
1: Yeah, not yet. <laughs>
0: but you've been stung.
1: Oh yeah. Um maybe a dozen times or so and it's annoying, but it's not life-threatening, and, and um, uh, so you... you don't what is the best remedy
0: if somebody got stung in this summer, you know, this time of the year?
1: Well, the first thing is don't blame it on honeybees, necessarily. Because, okay, usually um, wasps. It's usually wasps, and and terrible thing with wasps is that they can sting multiple times. Mm-hmm. So, uh, People know that when a, when a wasp comes at them, it chases them, and it stings and stings and stings. A honeybee really only stings if you're within maybe three to four feet of the hive, and it's only if you really stir them up. Then some of the worker bees are assigned to be what they call guard bees, and they come out and first they they give you a warning. They buzz around your face or your head or your and they bump you, mm-hmm. and it, they just bump you, bump you, bump you. And if you don't walk away at that point, then they sting you. And the um, treatment. The, the most of, of, the most important thing that you can do to minimize how much swelling you might have is that um, the honeybee, when they sting, the stinger stays in your skin. Mm-hmm. And the organ that has the venom actually uh, gets pulled out of the abdomen of the bee. And that's why the honeybee can only sting once because they die because of the sting. Okay. And so there's this little um, jelly-like thing. It's about the size of a sesame seed, it looks like. Sticking in your skin, and that's the stinger. So, if you can, can you remove that, yeah, so if you just take your fingernail and just gently pull that out without squeezing it, what you don't want to do is push and swat and okay. rub because then what you do is you inject all the other venom that's in that oh. organ into your skin and you get a bigger welt or uh, swelling.
0: And what is um, any of the benefits of consuming pure raw? Honey versus the commercial honey. Yeah. What process do they go when it's commercial?
1: Um, it's pasteurized. So your question about you know benefits of stings, benefits of raw honey, you, know, you go out on the Internet and, and read all sorts of things. Um, whether it, it's true or not, I, d- I don't know. It just tastes good. The, um, uh, as far as uh, some people swear that w- raw honey tastes better, Mm. because of the um, proteins and enzymes. The color
0: the, is lighter, too.
1: I see a little bit. Yeah. Well,
0: um, oh, that depends the flower that the honeys are by.
1: Probably more of the flowers and the time of the year, uh, the mixture of pollen and, and the likes. But um, the difference between commercial and raw is that the pasteurization, uh, just like milk, the, the, the product's been warmed up just below uh, boiling. And so then any bacteria uh, is apparently killed. The, th- the reason raw honey is, n- is uh, not a problem for majority of people except for maybe infants that can't fight uh, certain uh, infections is that um, honey, for the most part, will not grow bacteria for hundreds of years. So, you know, they find honey, I think, uh, the story goes, like in tombs and things like that. Mm. And it's just as good as it was when it was put in the vase, you know.
0: Okay, and um, what would you? What was your in, initial investment for somebody who's listening and like, oh, that that be something that I would like to do. Yeah. What would be your recommend and also recommendation for somebody who would like to get into this hobby?
1: Find someone who's doing it, uh, a mentor. That's the, the key thing. And there's um in Southeast Minnesota, there's a clubs. Uh, in almost any region, there's a club. Uh, beekeeping club and so they're a wealth of information uh, to um, not just find out what you're getting into but then coach you as you go along the way and if you tap into a good club and mentors they're going to give you their used I know, I can't speak for them they're not going to necessarily give you everything yeah. but they're going to help you out and they'll get you started so that you're not buying stuff that you don't need uh, and so you can get it in, into it that way that I think is the best way, and then buy only what you need. Okay. Um, the box is what they call woodenware. Uh, do one, they
0: sell kits?
1: Yeah, you, and you can do it. Uh, what's beautiful about the hobby is, if you wanted to, you could make them yourself. For, uh, almost in the entire process, if you're skillful and or have a friend with woodworking equipment, pretty simple stuff like a bandsaw or a table saw you could make these boxes yourself. And that's a nice winter hobby, okay. which then translates into the bees in the spring and the summer, and, and uh, it's just a nice activity because it involves those type of um, activities. And if you want to buy some of it pre-made, you can do that and make mm-hmm. some of your own. But the cost, that's why it's difficult to say that there's an yeah. absolute
0: Yeah, but cost. what about like a window?
1: A window, the boxes. To buy one box with what they call frames, the the things that the bunny the, bunny, the f, uh, honey the um, bees make the honey on. Uh, if you bought that all assembled, uh, it's about thirty dollars. And they
0: come already with the panels inside. Yep. Yeah. Okay, and, and a queen and a shoebox full of bees. What would um, that?
1: That's a bit more expensive. That's uh, probably a $100, 120 dollars. But that queen. Will, will last for two or three years. Okay. Three, two or three uh, years, and then
0: uh, what's the process there? And then does a new queen are, comes from <clears throat> within, or you have to purchase another one?
1: Both, um, or either, the um, the queen herself literally will live two or three years. Um, uh, but by the second or third year, she's not producing as much eggs, and so. Um, What you can do is uh, there's techniques where you can then uh, have the colony produce a new queen. And so even if the queen just accidentally got killed or lost or whatever, uh, the colony will then, uh, with the existing eggs, will produce a queen. So once you buy a package, it's possible that you'll never buy a package again.
0: Okay. Okay. Well,
1: there's another way you can get bees, which is kind of a neat thing. Is that uh, you hear about people uh, having um, or discovering swarms, where a big group yeah. of bees are hanging on a branch or on a, a rain gutter of their house or whatever. And what's happened there is that someone, uh, typically a beekeeper, hasn't been inspecting their bees and hasn't given them enough space. They haven't added enough and they boxes. Move,
0: they They spend somewhere else.
1: Exactly. They. They split, uh, so they produce a new queen and. And go sometimes
0: elsewhere. you see those fall too. Is that because they're too heavy with honey, or no, or those they just move out those now, hives that you find sometimes.
1: Those are wasp hives. Oh, if you're thinking of those gray, yeah. they look like a giant pinata. Okay, those are wasps. Those are paper wasps, and they only live. They only uh, uh, live in that that um, structure for a year, and so you find them all the time. You'll find empty ones that are abandoned. They don't come back. Okay, but swar- do
0: those wasps produce any honey or no? No, no. Okay,
1: um, but uh, swarms. So, so what you can do. Uh, in fact, beekeepers are are known for it. Is that uh, a homeowner like yourself mm. uh, ends up in a tree of theirs having a big swarm of bees, and it's 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 scary, but they're very docile. Mm-hmm. So the beekeeper comes over and gladly. Uh, shakes them into their box together with the queen and thanks you very much gives you a jar of honey and now they've got a colony uh which saves them lots and lots of money
0: cool and um i guess just trying to be if you would like to start this in a urban setting i guess you have to kind of share that with your neighbors That hey by the way i'm going to have a
1: that, that'd be good. Uh, even because, if,
0: you know, what about the smoke? If somebody's grilling next door and then all the smoke does that bother bees? How do you, because I see it on TV when the beekeepers come, is that like a steam or what do they use? Smoke,
1: to? smoke, yeah. So you have this little can with um, uh, billows. It's called a puffer. And um, you, you, at, you um, smoke the bees. And so in order to open the hive, you give them a little puff of smoke. And what it does is it... Um, there's a lot of controversy in regards to exactly why it settles the bees down, but probably works mainly by, by blocking their ability to signal the colony. Mm-hmm. So if, the, if someone starts to meddle with the box, the colony sends out a, a chemical trigger, a pheromone, which stirs up the entire box just within seconds. And so if you smoke them, it's like a smoke screen, okay. uh, and so they can't tell the other bees what's going on but your question or um, yeah, with their consideration about the neighbors um, uh, probably the key thing I think if, if you're in a neighborhood even if the city doesn't have an ordinance um, prohibiting beekeeping which I don't believe Rochester has an ordinance like you said it's best to let your neighbors know that you're going to be keeping bees and uh, and you're hoping to give them honey you know, mm-hmm. later this year type thing and keep up good relationships but the one thing that I didn't appreciate until I kept bees is just how many there are. So one or two colonies uh in eve. that's what
0: you have right now, Corinne? Two two hives?
1: I've got four now. Okay. So there's yeah, you divide you, And at some point you have to decide when you're gonna quit growing, you know, but um, anyway the um if you'd come over um uh, some evening in the summer here, uh in in the late afternoon, evening Mm-hmm. And, uh, and just see that the, the amount of activity where bees are coming uh, back and forth, back and forth, it's a beautiful sight to a beekeeper. But if your next door neighbor is watching yeah. uh, thousands of bees fly through their their backyard to get to your hive, um, that would be disturbing for them. <laughs> and so, the, the actually um, what you try to do is put it back in a place uh, in your own property or, or your um, uh, that it's not going to be too disturbing yeah. for everybody but you also you can put them up against like a um, a fence or a shrub so what ha- the bees have to do is they have to fly up and out rather than they'll take the of shortest course. route they'll come across the yard so if you don't have a barrier like that around the apiary uh, that and they, you can
0: hear it too also or no it's not you that you have to get pretty
1: close maybe okay. 10 12 feet to hear all the, but yeah you hear them and that's beautiful too cool yeah, but again, if you see me running, try to keep up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Any uh, And what about, where is some of the most known benefits of honey? I mean, like you said, it's through the human history, it's always been honey. Yeah. It's one of those nutrients, I guess, that they've been getting since many, many years yeah. ago.
1: I think it's just fun to give away. I, I don't know about the health benefits yeah. of that. <laughs> How
0: do you consume it at home?
1: um i've to be honest i've not been a big honey uh consumer and so um but i've always loved it on on fresh bread uh bread and butter and so that's what i do is i uh i uh, take a, a little chunk of bread and, and um uh, either dip it in honey or, or drizzle the honey on top of it
0: okay well paul thank you for sharing with us uh this uh this hobby and uh your experience as one year almost, right? Yeah. That you started with the, this project, and how many have you har- harvested again?
1: Um, well, again, that's from that uh, the honey from the first year, so it was uh, um, 100, 120 pounds of honey that by the time you spin it out and filter how it. How many gallons it, is that? It was about eight gallons. Well. Yeah, so I'm being pretty chintzy with you with that little jar. <laughs> it's okay.
0: <laughs> Thank you again, and now... Uh, I want to invite everybody to please contact us if there, if there is something that you want to share with the community, please use this uh, platform and remember to follow us on Twitter, on their community board, find us on Facebook, on their community board, and listen and share our podcast from iTunes and SoundCloud on their community board podcast. Paul, anything else that you want to share?
1: No, just uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk about this. I had no idea you knew so much about the bees.
0: No, I, I, I watched the... Uh, I don't know if you saw the documentary on... What is that bee guy who just died, I guess, last year? Really famous, the guy who has all those products. Uh, oh, um, Burt's? Yes. Bert's bees? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen that documentary? No. no. Oh, check it out. It's on Netflix, and uh, it's a good one. Okay, I'll do that. Yep. Anyways... Uh, Stay tuned and make sure you contact us if you have something to share.